0: On this week's gaming and entertainment edition of My Take Radio, we get some tech specs on the Nintendo Switch, and we're going to talk about the brand new update heading to the PlayStation 4, which is going to add a ton of new features, plus some of the other noteworthy happenings in the gaming space. Entertainment wise, of course, we're going to break down the box office from this past weekend, and we're going to talk about some new casting and new announcements regarding future Marvel and DC movies and TV shows. The gaming and entertainment edition of My Take Radio starts. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio episode 393, powered by Rageworks. This is our gaming and entertainment edition, and I am your host, Rich. And first off, I want to thank you for hitting that play or download button and checking us out. Uh, If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. We have one show dedicated to MMA and wrestling, and the one you're checking out now is gaming, entertainment, and sometimes a little tech for good measure. So, as I said, thank you guys for hitting play. I'd like to start off by apologizing to our regular listeners as this week's episode was a little late. Uh, Real world stuff got in the way, uh, working on, you know, refinancing my house and trying to do some stuff behind the scenes and ended up coming home and seeing my cat look a little strange uh turned out he ended up having a tumor which we took to get diagnosed uh this weekend and um you know it it was it was bad you know we were told that obviously you know I will say that I didn't you know we didn't put him to sleep but we were informed that we just got to make him comfortable uh because the tumor's in a location that is inoperable and you know obviously we've had we've had this cat um you know my wife and I we've had this cat since we were dating um 15 years now um and you know it it definitely sucked, you know my my sister took to took it pretty rough, my brother as well, and you know we just have been trying to do a lot of the stuff to make him comfortable. We, you know we had to get obviously some pills, they put him on some steroids to hopefully shrink the tumor down, some antibiotics, we had to get some special food, et cetera, et cetera. If you're a pet owner, you know how it goes when situations like this arise um right now, it's one of those things where you know we want to make him comfortable we want to try and enjoy as much time with him as possible obviously we know that there's an end game but nonetheless you know it's one of those things that really just kind of snuck up on us like i said um you know we were doing the the refi for the house and taking care of some you know tax stuff you guys know how that goes and all of a sudden this this got thrown right in front of us and it was you know it's been a rough couple of days but i um you know i'm definitely in good spirits just because you know he's lively he's eating he's playing around just, you know, he's got this big ass lump by, by the bottom of his neck, so, you know, it's definitely a little off-putting, he's lost some weight, obviously, he's usually a, a pretty, a pretty big bastard, you know, coming down the stairs, you can hear him, you know, rumbling down the stairs at night, but, um, you know, like I said, I'm taking solace in the fact that, you know, I've had him for 15 years, we've had an awesome, you know, we've had a lot of awesome memories, and, you know, he was, he was the first pet that I bought, you know, with a significant other, so, you know, there's, Definitely a lot. It's essentially like having, having a kid, you know? So it's, uh, like I said, it's been rough. But uh, outside of that, we did do some other stuff as well. We did go to check out the premiere of Justice League Dark. I want to give you guys a, a five-minute review of that. And you guys can check out the review on RageWorks.net that we will be releasing as well as putting up some photos from the event. Um, it, it ended up being just a, um, you know, we were selected to attend but we were attending just to check out the movie and it turned into us, uh, you know, meeting, meeting, the, meeting the cast, the director after the film and having a really cool panel. And I got to tell you, I'll get into it in, in the five minute movie review before uh, breaking down some of the other stuff. But I got to say, man, if, if you can definitely check it out, it's available on digital now and should be on DVD and Blu-ray uh, Tuesday uh, February 7th. So definitely note that on your calendars. Also, I know a lot of you guys have been asking about, you know, our release schedule. And for the most part, we're trying to release episodes. Uh, you know, the MMA and wrestling is being recorded usually Wednesday nights. So we're trying to release it, you know, Thursday morning, Thursday night, depending on my work schedule. And then the gaming and entertainment edition, we're usually recording Thursday night or Friday night. Uh, in this case, we ended up recording Saturday, you know, after I, Got rid, got all the vet stuff out of the way. But most times, you're gonna usually have a show. uh, An MMA and wrestling show should be out by Thursday, no later than Friday, and a gaming and entertainment show will be out by Friday, no later than Sunday. Like Sunday's the the extreme, 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 which is probably when some of you guys are gonna be seeing this episode on your podcatcher of choice. But that's pretty much more or less our 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 schedule. We're still, you know, trying to do it weekly. I did want to say that my Take Radio episode 400 is uh, March 1st, and we're going to probably be doing that episode live. Uh, more than likely by then, we'll probably be done with Blog Talk Radio, so if we're going to do some stuff and have some audience participation, it'll probably be via the chat room, unless I set up a dedicated dial-in line for that. Not sure how we're going to do it. I know a lot of you guys love the the live participation, but you know we, we were moving away from Blog Talk Radio, number one, because of the inferior audio quality, and number two, you know, the the very, very expensive cost of maintaining uh, that service. You know, we were talking about roughly 480 to $560 a year in expenses just for using the Blog Talk Radio service, which we weren't even using to the fullest capacity. On the contrary, we were just using the switchboard portion to give you guys uh, some audio content. So, you know, with that I think that we're going to um you know, we're going to try and give you guys the 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 coolest uh, best uh, episode of MTR. You know, 400s a big milestone, you know, for those of you that are joining us in the later half of of the the show's successes. You know, we've been doing this since 2006, switched over to a live format in 2009, started doing video uh, maybe 2013, maybe 2014 etc etc so you know we're we're definitely evolving and trying to give you guys the best stuff possible and you know now that we're no longer doing a consistent live broadcast the 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 podcasting is getting so much easier in terms of editing getting guests we're going to be doing more stuff i know a lot of you guys were happy to see slick back in here when we had um the gaming and entertainment edition last week jay santi joined me for this week's mma and wrestling and we're going to keep you know moving on and moving on and giving you guys just really, really dope shit. So I wanted to give you guys just a a bit of detail on what's going on. Also, I know that we still are, you know, a quick update. We're still working on Spotify and Google Play and, um, you know, iHeartRadio. And once those are officially locked down, like I said, we'll probably issue an announcement on RageWorks.net and obviously announce it on social media. So as always... Keep it locked to the site and all our social media channels, which as always you can find in the show notes for this episode. All right. So on deck this week, as I said at the very, 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 very early intro of the show, we're going to talk about the Nintendo switch this week. Uh, The PS4 has some really, really cool news. Um, Another milestone for Nintendo. Of course, on the entertainment side, we got some Marvel DC uh, cinematic and television news, which we're going to get into. So With that, let us jump into this week's gaming segment. Let's get to it. All right, let's get this ball rolling with some spec details that were finally released for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Nintendo issued a press release with, you know, the console pretty much on the verge of release right around the corner, March 3rd. And, you know, they dropped some specs, a lot of stuff we already knew, but there are certain items I did want to share with you guys. Uh, First and foremost, uh, onboard storage for the system is going to be 32 gigs. Uh, The CPU and GPU is going to be an NVIDIA customized Tegra processor. Uh, Maximum resolution via HDMI, you're going to be getting uh, 1920 by 1080, 60 frames per second. Uh, The resolution in the handheld tablet mode is going to be 1280 by 720. Uh, the tablet display is going to be a 6.2-inch LCD, which is going to have, uh, you know, a capacitive touch screen. And also, in terms of the Joy-Cons and the console, those are going to be running right on each side. So, you know, you're going to have the Joy-Con on each side of the console. And, of course, you're going to be able to use it in tabloid, uh, tabloid, <laughs> in tablet mode. Uh, you know, got a, you got a lithium-ion battery with uh, 4,310 milliamps. Uh, the battery charging time is estimated to be approximately three hours with an estimated battery life of three to six hours, depending on usage with communication features for the system. They are including all the usual stuff, wireless LAN, uh, A, B, G, N, and AC compliant. You're also going to be getting Bluetooth 4.1 in TV mode. It's going to have the game card slot, which is going to be exclusively for the Nintendo switch game cards. You're not going to get any sort of discs or any of the usual standard medium nintendo of course creating proprietary stuff to uh, stop piracy etc etc you're going to have a usb terminal which is going to have usb type c insert you're going to have a headphone mic jack and of course stereo output so definitely you know a, a pretty a pretty beefy amount you know a significant amount of specs you know beefing up the console quite a bit uh, the 32 gig onboard storage is good. I'm curious to see what they're going to do in, in terms of expansion. Um, they are going to be releasing the games on those game cards, but I'm, I am curious if you're going to be able to connect, you know, external storage, etc., etc. And obviously with the use of these Nintendo switch game cards, the backwards compatibility, we were all hoping for, for the Wii or the Wii U games uh, pretty much is out the window, unless there's something that they're going to break out down the road. I think, you know, they're just going to move forward with a brand new interface. In some other news, you know, everybody's excited about the Switch. Pre-orders are selling like crazy. Yours truly has tried to uh, get a pre-order in and just hasn't fared well. But the one thing that is faring very well is the NES Classic. As many of you know, the NES Classic was the tiny retro NES that they released right before the holiday season with built-in games it has sold 1.5 million units to date. Um, really, a lot of the sales came courtesy of the holidays, and now it still hasn't even slowed down as you know, retailers like Amazon, Best Buy, GameStop, they're, as soon as they get them, they sell out. And of course, the reseller market is huge right now, uh, doubling, tripling, and quadrupling the $60 asking price. Of course, like anything else with Nintendo, if you wait, you should be able to get it, Uh, Nintendo president Tatsumi uh, Kimishima promised that there would be that there would be uh, an aggressive push towards alleviating the shortage, and of course, he apologized to shoppers who couldn't get their hands on the consoles for this holiday season. Now, the NES Classic has 30 games. Many of you have probably been seeing that there are people that are modding the units, adding you know 70 to 100 to 150, 200 games. So. You know, obviously results in that space have been mixed, but it's interesting because Nintendo dropped this little console with 30 classic titles and the controller, which replicates, you know, pretty much the uh, typical NES bundle. But of course, the system pretty much fits in the palm of your hand. The HDMI out is nice. And of course, the USB power adds a little a little extra portability to it. Now, in addition to Nintendo obviously having a home run with this, the the fact is that Nintendo can continue to release little little consoles like this in the near future. You never know. We might get something like this with a Super NES or a Nintendo 64 down the road that may hold 30 or 40 or 50 titles. Um, you know, at, for me personally, I'd love to see them do something like this with the Super Nintendo. Uh, the Super NES had an amazing lineup of titles. And we're not even talking just first-party stuff. There were, there were some stellar third-party shit, too. And um I think Nintendo's definitely onto something and I do feel that we definitely should get more than 30 titles considering but you know the cost of entry is low at 60 bucks but I definitely would not mind seeing maybe something you know a Super NES or maybe just something like a Super Famicom with some of the Japanese games translated to English. I loved all the old Super Famicom uh Dragon Ball Z cartridge based titles. I used to pick those up imported and, uh, you know, there was a way that you can use them on your regular Super NES. You would actually turn the cartridge over and use a drill bit and you would drill through the, you know, drill into the plastic, the two slots that would allow it to be inserted into a regular Super NES. So uh, very cool. Hopefully we'll see something like that in the near future. And of course, the the beauty of this is that the performance that the NES Classic has had thus far is really a very very good way for the switch to get in front of the public eye only because obviously the the and you know the nes classic is all old school games but the fact that so many people are picking them up shows that old school games still have value they still have life and above all if they're fun and people love to play them people are going to pick them up of course in, in in some way, it's like the NES Classic thrived, the Nintendo Switch is on a, the horizon, and the Wii U, of course, has quietly been swept under the rug. On the contrary, uh, Nintendo, you know, Kotaku recently released a piece that said that Nintendo has ceased Wii U production, not only in Japan, but worldwide. Nintendo released in a statement, uh, announced in a statement that Wii U production has ended globally. Uh, right now, you know, there's there's two versions of the console available, but I'm sure that once that console sells out, it probably will not be restocked, and it's interesting because a lot of people are wondering if the Wii U is going to become one of those consoles that's going to be worth a lot of money in the future, and for me personally, I'd like to tell everyone, you know, yeah, it's always good to collect this stuff and have this stuff, but, you know, pick one up, man, there's really some good games on there, now that the system's going, you know, approaching the end of its shelf life, you're probably going to see some good deals and you're gonna see some interesting bundles that you can pick up on eBay or Craigslist, you know, with a decent library of titles. Cause the Wii U definitely had some decent titles. It just did not get a fair shake. And it's it's really a damn shame, that's for sure. Uh the other thing I did want to mention, and this is something that I'm seeing with the Switch now. I've seen people pre-selling pre-orders of the Switch. And again, same thing that happened with the NES Classic is happening with the Switch, where people are You know, double, triple, quadrupling the cost of the pre-order and the console for that matter. And again, you know, the console comes out March third. There's probably going to be more opportunities that retailers are going to open up for you to get your hands on a console. Please, 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 do not fall victim to this sort of stuff, man. You know, we want you guys to to get your games at retail price or or for less if you can, and not not be price gouged by people that are just taking advantage of a bad situation. And again. This isn't me admonishing resellers because again, you you got to you know if if there's a a market for you to make money, then you can. But I just feel that the people that are going and and ordering, you know, two, three, four consoles from different retailers strictly for the the profit margins, you're, you're taking, you might be taking it away from just regular people that want to buy it. And again, you know, I've I've done reseller stuff for different I you know for different things, and it's the same thing. You know, if you go into a store. And you see five of something and you want to resell, maybe you buy one for yourself and one for for resell or one for trade or maybe two at best. But don't clear out the entire shelf and deprive somebody who just wants to buy something for the love of of whatever it is from being able to acquire it. I just feel it's it's fucked up. You know, that's that's my take on that. Uh, In some gaming news, I did want to report that those of you that were bummed out that Star Wars Battlefront did not have a single player campaign, me being one of them. Um, I'm happy to announce that uh, Electronic Arts CEO Andrew Wilson revealed that Star Wars Battlefront 2 will have a single-player campaign, and that game is scheduled to be released this holiday season. Game Informer broke the news uh, during the earnings call that EA had, and I'm I'm excited for that. Don't get me wrong. I like St- uh, Star Wars Battlefront. I thought it was dope, but sometimes, you know, that single-player component can just, you know, it, it keeps you occupied for a little bit. That's one thing I really enjoyed about Titanfall 2, that I was able to just pick it up, jump into a little single-player campaign, and we were off to the races. In some other gaming news, we've been talking about Injustice 2. As many of you know, Quark put out a piece regarding the Injustice 2 DLC. Make sure you guys check it out on Rageworks.net. Let him know if you agree or disagree, but what they've been doing is gradually teasing some characters that are on deck. Obviously, we've seen Supergirl you know, some of the mainstays from the previous Injustice game, but in a new trailer for Injustice 2 that was recently released, it was announced that Black Canary will now be joining the roster. Uh, the game is scheduled to hit stores May 16th on PS4 and Xbox One, and, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the fan favorites are there, like I said, Batman, Superman, Supergirl, Aquaman, but we're also getting some really dope new characters, Deadshot, Gorilla Grodd, um, Atrocitus, who is one of the Red Lanterns, and now you know Black Canary. I'm sure we're going to see Green Arrow. You know we're going to see Flash. And I think I think that the roster is going to be very interesting. I'm just concerned with like what Quark said, all the all the DLC stuff, and all the things that are that are you know just jacking up the price of the game. But it's cool to see a character like Black Canary in there, uh, being able to to be utilized by gamers. I think DC has such a robust library of characters that you can pretty much put fifty to hundred characters in a game easily and i'm not even talking about palette swaps i'm talking about full-on characters i'll give you an example if you just take the justice league alone you know you obviously you know you have cyborg aquaman batman superman wonder woman martian manhunter green arrow right there i just named seven and of course you could do the respective villains for each of those you know for aquaman you could do black manta ocean master uh wonder woman you could do cheetah you could do Ares, you can do a couple of different characters, Batman, forget it, you have an assortment of rogues you could mess with, obviously Bane, the Joker are the easy ones to pick, and Harley, which I'm sure we're going to see, but also, you know, you got characters like Killer Croc or the Penguin, which obviously with the popularity of Gotham would be pretty cool, plus it would also be dope if you could do a, uh, you know, costume changes like they did in the original game, and you can have like the Penguin with dress that looks like, Oswald Cobblepot from Gotham, etc. I think I think that would be pretty cool, and the Penguin would be an interesting character to see. Um, you know, th- that's that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. In Superman's case, obviously, you'd want to see something like Bizarro, Doomsday. You know, is a given. Lex Luthor in some sort of power suit is a given. Maybe Mongol from world from War World would be pretty dope. Uh, Deathstroke is is a must. You know, Deathstroke is so awesome that he needs to be in there. But I would also, you know, I like seeing a character like Deadshot. Uh, Gorilla Grodd, a try, uh, you know, Atrocitus. You can also throw in some of the other lanterns. You know, you could like Sinestro. You know, is a given. How Jordan, John Stewart, those guys. But I would throw in like Guy Gardner, Kyle Rayner, uh, things like that. Maybe you could throw in Zoom for the Flash or or Reverse Flash and put him in there, not as a palette swap, but as a character with an individual moveset, and, You know, there's there's a lot to play with, and I'm really hoping that the game is fun. I enjoyed the first. Injustice game and I'm really hoping that, you know, the stuff that Quark reported with regards to the DLC isn't, you know, it really doesn't take away I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that it doesn't take away from the enjoyment and the success of this game, but we're definitely going to be monitoring it very, very closely. Now, as I mentioned before, on the Sony side of things, PlayStation is putting out uh releasing a beta preview of their latest firmware, which is four point five and also known as Sasuke and um The thing is that not only is it improving the PlayStation 4, but also the PlayStation 4 Pro. If you have a PS4 Pro, you're going to be able to have your older PS4 titles run even better on the new hardware because they're adding something called boost mode, which is going to allow you to harness the full power of the PS4 Pro, you know, higher GPU and CPU clock speed, which would improve the gameplay of some of the games. Obviously it's going to, it's going to make, some improvements, whether it's going to be some frame rate stuff, which may be higher, shorter load times, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And the thing is, you know, Sony's Sony's not going out of their way to promote this as something that's going to be on all titles, but it's going to be something that's going to allow people that recently picked a PS4 Pro that picked up a PS4 Pro to get a little bit more out of their console for some of their other games. Um, especially their older PS4 catalog. Now, in addition to that, obviously you got the 4K, you got the HDR. But the other thing is that the that the boost might help, you know, instances where the system may remove or fix certain glitches. There's there's a lot of stuff to keep an eye out. Also, in addition to that, that 4.5 firmware will also allow support for external hard drives, not only on the PS4 Pro, but all PS4 models. And, and, you know, you're going to get some redesigned menus. You're going to be able to watch 3D Blu-rays on the PSVR. But the thing is, you know, the the usage of the external hard drives is key because you're going to be able to plug in a USB 3.0 hard drive up to 8 terabytes which will allow you to really really expand the storage capacity of your console. Of course, you can always open it up and install the hard drive internally, but maybe you're just a fan of just plug and play, not wanting to take any hard drives out of your console. This is a good way to do it. This is something that, you know, you can do on the Xbox One since the Xbox One does not allow you to replace The internal hard drives, you can use external ones. I picked up a two terabyte drive for less than a hundred bucks and that one's been fine thus far. And I'm sure if I went and I picked up another drive, it would be the, you know, it would be equally the same price or perhaps even cheaper because that storage is dropping at a very, very fast rate. In addition to that, you're also going to be able to, you know, use in-game screenshots as your home screen background, which is pretty nice. And you're also going to have improved menus. You're going to have a quick notification list. And a lot of this stuff was actually published on, you know, Sony's blog. Like I said, the big one, the external hard drive, which is huge, the custom wallpapers. You're also going to see some improvements in the quick menu. You're going to get a more simplified and more clean uh, notification list. And they're also going to make some changes for you posting on the PlayStation activity feeds, which is another thing to keep an eye on. And of course, the PSVR is going to get some extra stuff because you'll be able to enjoy the, the 3D movies you may own on the PlayStation VR. Now, the only thing that I was hoping for to see in the 4.5 update was 4K Blu-ray uh, compatibility. And I say this because a lot of people weren't buying dedicated Blu-ray players because it was much easier and cheaper to buy something like a PlayStation 4 and get the maximum value or even a PS3 back in the day. And just get the maximum value because you had a console that can also play these brand new Blu rays. And the beauty of it for me personally, which I liked, is that whenever there were advances in Blu ray technology, whether it was, you know, online interaction with, you know, a particular website or being able to download certain content to the Blu ray experience, I really felt that it was good to have something like a PS4 that would get those updates very, very, very quickly. And I really would like to see that. With the, with the PlayStation 4 Pro, unfortunately right now, you know, obviously it's something that they're not focusing on. Of course, with the Xbox One S, you can pick up 4K Blu-rays currently. And with Super Bowl, with the Super Bowl around the corner, they're actually bundling a lot of the Xbox One S units with, uh, you know, certain televisions, Samsung TVs in particular. And of course, I haven't pulled the trigger. I originally was going to buy the Xbox One S to put my big Xbox One in the studio for gameplay and reviews and stuff. But now it's pretty much, you know, waiting on the Scorpio and seeing what the Scorpio brings to the table and maybe just picking that up and then bringing my old Xbox one downstairs. Now with the PS4 pro, which I may be picking up next week, I'll let you guys know when I do the the show next week. um, You know, it's, it's the cutting edge system. That's supposed to be the end all be all when it comes to the PS4. So for me in that, in that case, I may just actually swap out my PS4 for a PS4 Pro, depending on whether I sell it privately or trade it to GameStop. For once, they're actually doing a pretty decent offer on the system. So we'll see what happens. If I do pull the trigger on the PS4 Pro, I will let you guys know next week. The other thing I did want to talk about, and this has been making a lot of waves, and this has made its, its way not only into a lot of gaming websites like Kotaku, but it's also made its way to websites like Consumerist. And it's involving a thing, a situation with GameStop, which really, really tripped me out. Um, the program that GameStop is talking about, well, Kotaku mentions in their piece, is a program dubbed the Circle of Life. And what, what happens is the Circle of Life is an internal program for GameStop employees. And basically what it does is it gives it gives each store four quotas that they have to meet. One for gaming pre-orders, one for reward card subscriptions. One for used game sales and one for game trade ins. Now, as many of you know, if you've been a, a game a GameStop customer, you know that a lot of these guys are slaves to the quotas. And if you get if you have a good relationship with your with your local GameStop employee, they'll they'll share some insight with you. And you know, these guys, they, they gotta go out of their way to offer you a ton of shit. Some of it you don't need, some of it you don't want, and worst of all, it's just sometimes a very, very frustrating experience because what ends up happening is some of the employees just they, they become assholes when you don't want any of that stuff. I mean, for me personally, you know, I've talked about the Best Buy Gaming, uh, the Gamers Club, which I use currently. But I still wander into GameStop primarily to pick up pops for my collection and sometimes just to pick up certain accessories that they may have. Like I was I wanted to pick up a Razer backpack, the same company that makes the uh, the really awesome laptops and I, you know, they had the backpack there, it was it was decently priced, but I walk in there, I'm looking at the backpack, I'm looking at the pops, and it's like, hey, you know, do you want this? Do you want to pre-order this? Do you want to pre-order a certain pop? And I'm just like, can I just look around? Can I browse? I'll let you know if I need anything. So it, it definitely makes for a very, very pushy experience. But what's been happening with this circle of life situation is like I said, you got these four. These four pillars: pre-gaming pre-orders, reward card subscriptions, the used game sales, and the trade-ins. So what ends up happening is that you know publishers, are, you know, they set a, a price a price for games at sixty bucks, which we all know. And what happens is that GameStop, Target, Amazon, etc. They that that's what they have to sell them at at sixty dollars, unless obviously the publisher decides to sell them for less. I used to run an eBay store, and I used to actually buy games when it was, you know, PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3 at the time, and what happens is, um, you know, a $60 game, you may be picking it up for maybe $53. Actually, I'll go back a step further. When I was doing a lot of the PS2 stuff, a PS2 game at the time was forty nine ninety nine, and I was getting the games for 41 to $42. Now, think about that. $42 on a $50 game, you're making an $8 profit, because obviously there's sales tax and everything else but just raw profit you're making 8 bucks. So for me at the time that I was running a small eBay store, I had to buy a lot of a lot of product to make any sort of a profit. Now, for for stores like GameStop, Amazon, Target, etc., you know, they sell in, in such huge volume and they all and their business is supplemented by so many other things that making 4 or 5 bucks on a game for them, they don't they don't give a shit. Now, in the case of GameStop, the bulk of their sales actually comes from, you know, used games and and other little products and services. So in their case, they actually have to be more aggressive in selling you on the other shit, including used games, because that's where the company makes the the most of their money. Now, in the Kotaku piece, they, they, they were talking about the fact that GameStop employees obviously have been encouraged to push used titles but now they're doing it even more so in addition to obviously trading and selling in games. But what the thing is now is that there's new metrics which are being put in place, which are now instead of balancing it, you know, against each other, you know, it's being balanced in such a way that it affects the store also. So Kotaku did a really good job explaining it. They, they pretty much said that a store's quota for used games is 30%. So if that store sells a thousand dollars in merchandise, then $300 worth of that merchandise needs to be pre-owned games. Uh, All the percentages are balanced into the quota, both for the store and the individual employee. But what's been happening is that if you walk into a GameStop right now and buy a new game, uh, they they were using Resident Evil 7 as an example, but didn't buy any used games, didn't trade in any games, didn't sign up for anything or do any pre-orders, the sale of that game will actually harm not only the number for the employee, but also for the store where he or she works. Meaning that the program is an incentive to not actually sell you new games or new hardware. Think about that. A retailer is actively going out of its way to have you buy used shit. And if you guys have been to GameStop, you know that sometimes a brand new game will be $39.99. But there'll be, for whatever reason, a, a you know a used copy of that same game Will be thirty eight ninety nine, or or maybe even higher sometimes, depending on if they do it b- erroneously. And what's crazy is that this is actually pushing employees to not want to sell you n- n- brand new y- brand new stuff, whether it's a console or a game. And it's funny because you know Kotaku did a little digging, and at one GameStop employee said, "We're telling people we don't have new systems in stock, so we won't take a three hundred or four hundred dollar hit on our pre owned numbers." the employee went on to tell Kotaku that they also tell customers they don't have new copies of games in stock. And they cited just what I said, you know, Watch Dogs two, which is currently 29 99 for some reason is 54 99 pre-owned. So what they do is they just tell them they don't have a new version in stock to sell the used version, which is crazy. Now, once Kotaku dropped this report, GameStop sent out a company wide memo Which um, Kotaku got their hands on again because that's how it goes, and you know they were they were trying to elaborate and trying to downplay the circle of life. And um, I got to tell you, I feel that it that it's it's a really really fucked up situation because what you're doing is you're taking your employees, you're taking your stores, and you're forcing them to essentially strong arm customers to take inferior or lower quality stuff for the sake of profit margins, meaning. That if you walk in there aspiring to buy a PlayStation Four and they sell you a used one, yes, you know you get a you get you're still getting a PS Four for less money. But again, it's not a new console. It may have its own set of issues and challenges. It, it's just an unnecessary headache. If if you want something used, you're going to go and buy something used. But if you walk into a store intent on buying something new and they're and they're really aggressively pushing you towards something used, it's going to make for a really bad experience. I mean. You know, sometimes you want to buy a new game and it's $59.99 or $49.99 and they're like, oh, we have a used copy and it's like 2 bucks less and you're like, yeah, I don't want that because if you're buying something used, the whole point is that you want a substantial savings. $2 is not enough and I think that what's happening is this got out, Kotaku reported on it, Consumerist reported on it and it really puts GameStop in a very, very awkward situation, because think about it. You go to your local store, especially if it's a store that you like and it's employees that you like, and you know that they got to do this shit, man. And sometimes you just get so turned off from it that you'd rather just go and give your money to a big box retailer and not deal with the bullshit. And I'll give you an example. If you I want to say maybe a year or two ago, I went in there to pick up a game. Uh, What the hell was it? I think it was a game from my from my sister's 3DS that Best Buy didn't have. And, you know, obviously they didn't have it. I couldn't use the Gamers Club, whatever. So I go in there. I'm like, all right, I'm buying this game. The price was fine. So I'm getting ready to pay. And they're like, oh, do you want to pre-order this? I'm like, no, I'm not interested. Or oh, are you a member of our, you know, GameStop blah, blah, blah club? And I'm like, no. Oh, would you want to like, like to sign up? It'll take a minute. I'm like, no, I'm not really interested. Then it's like, oh, well, you know, are there any pre-owned games? I'm just like, no. I would just like to pay and go about my business, and the guy was like, oh, you know, there might, we might have a used copy of this game, and I'm like, I'm giving it as a gift, I'm not giving somebody an open game as a gift, I mean, sometimes you could do that, but I mean, you know, you don't want to do that, especially if it's like a birthday or Christmas and shit, you don't want to do that stuff, and, and the guy just, he was annoyed, he was like, uh, so just this, and I'm like, yep. And you know, the first question when I walked in asking him if he had the title was, did I pre order it? I'm like, No. Do you have it? Yes or no? And he's like, No, 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 we have it. And and again, it's just that kind of stuff. So what ends up happening is people either feel that they're being conned or or played for the sake of just, you know, the bottom line, which is unfortunate. I am curious to hear from, from you guys what you guys think of that. And if you're currently shopping at GameStop, have you experienced this already? I'd love, I'd love to hear from you guys, and uh, if you're a GameStop employee and you'd like to elaborate on it, on the condition of anonymity, you know, anonymously, by all means, drop me an email, rich at RageWorks.net or mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, whichever you prefer. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from, a, from an actual employee um, just to see what you guys have to say about that and what kind of pressures you have to deal with to deliver. So again, if you're a GameStop employee, by all means, feel free to reach out via the emails provided, I'd love to get a little more insight into that. And I'd love to talk to you about that, whether it's obviously using a different name, you know, for for the sake of protecting your identity or even something written that I can read on air. I'd love to hear from you and get some more insight into this program. Anyway, I think that's a good way to close out the gaming segment for this week. You know, it's been fairly quiet for the most part. Uh, We're going to switch gears and jump into some entertainment stuff. So let's get right to it. All right, so I think it's fair to start with our 5-minute movie review of Justice League Dark. Uh, this is the latest animated feature from DC Comics. It is rated R, which is pretty crazy. And um interestingly enough, you know, it continues the you know, the using the same a lot of the same stuff that we've seen in the previous Justice League films and when I say that, I mean, you know, the animation style like Batman still has that um that more armored look, which is pretty dope, and um, you know a lot of the, a lot of the style looks similar to some of the previous films. I got to tell you, the the way that this film worked was that obviously you had the regular Justice League, and the film starts with uh, people committing random acts of violence uh, based on the fact that they're seeing demons or monsters. We have a, a lady who um, pretty much drive runs over a bunch of people. Uh, thinking that they are demons or monsters that are trying to attack her. She gets stopped by Wonder Woman. Uh, we have another lady, and, you know, there was there was some really hardcore, like, oh, my God, that's some scary shit. Uh, you know, there was a lady that was at the top of a church holding her baby, and she was just like, oh, my God, I can't. I gave birth to the devil, and obviously you see a regular baby, but she's seeing, like, a demon with, like, one eyeball, and it's crazy because Batman's like, listen, you know, you're tired, don't, don't do this. You're going to regret it. So she ends up throwing the baby over, over the ledge, which is insane. Batman jumps down, saves the baby and the lady kills herself. You know, Batman, of course, being unable to save her. Then we have a guy that's holding his family hostage with a, with a shotgun pointed at them. And he ends up seeing them as demons and Superman stops him. So, you know, the, the film jumps into the justice league meeting at the, at the, you know, at the JLA headquarters. And they're talking about the situation and, you know batman is his usual you know jovial and i say this you know sarcastically just his usual jovial angry self he ends up going home and um he's shaving and all of a sudden he sees that all over his house someone wrote the word constantine obviously referring to john constantine so uh batman seeks out zatanna and then of course seeks out constantine and jason blood aka etrigan's uh alter ego to try and get to the bottom of this and what happens as a result it's a crazy crazy story we see so many of of dc's darker you know darker characters obviously dead man boston brand was a trapeze artist who died and um you know lives his life essentially as a ghost that is capable of going into different bodies to save people john constantine of course who is voiced by matt ryan who was also Constantine in the live action TV show scene on the CW and CW seed, which is the animated one. And also originally on NBC as well. Uh, the thing about it was that the subject matter was really, you know, n- no pun intended. It was really dark. Uh, they really went out of their way to give you something scary. And above all the justice league were not like the centerpiece of this all, you know, like Batman was kind of just along for the ride and it was more about John Constantine and Zatanna and the stuff that was, you know, going on around them. And I thought that they did such an amazing job with that. It, it just blew me away. Because, again, this is an animated film. It's about an hour and 15 minutes. But, holy shit, they really pushed the envelope. And, and again, it's rated R. Uh, really, really wild. And, you know, love the animation style. And we got to actually see, uh, we got to meet Matt Ryan after afterwards. Along with uh, Jay Oliva and... And some of the other people involved in the project, it was it was amazing. Obviously, Jason O'Mara, who many of you are seeing on Agents of Shield, uh, once again lending his voice talents to to bring Batman and Bruce Wayne to life. They did a good job with that. Enrico um, Rico Cullentoni was awesome. Uh, many of you may know him from Veronica Mars. My wife was extremely excited to meet him. Uh, he voiced Felix Faust, and like I said, it was it was tremendous. They did such a such an amazing amazing job, and. Above all, above all, they actually brought these characters that they're not obscure, but they're characters that the general public doesn't really see often into the forefront. You know, John Constantine has gotten, you know, a breath of fresh air lately because of Matt Ryan's work on the show, on Arrow and CW Seed. And the best part was just seeing how excited they were. You know, how how a guy like Matt Ryan was excited to just be lending his vocal talents to a film of this magnitude. I got to tell you, if you get the opportunity, check it out. It's available currently on digital. You can pick it up on DVD and Blu-ray February 7th. And man, I I loved it. I'm going to do a full written breakdown on rageworks.net and you'll see photos from uh, the premiere that myself, uh, my wife and Jimbo slice went to and Jimbo slice and I are going to dig deeper into that film during uh, the variant issue as well. So keep it, keep an eye out for that too. Now, in terms of this week's entertainment stuff, we got a lot going on on the box office side of things. Split continues to hold it down at the box office, followed by a dog's purpose, hidden figures, resident evil, the final chapter, la la land, uh triple X, the return of Xander cage, holding onto the number six lot has made $33.5 million. Thus far, Uh, Followed by Sing in the number seven slot. Star Wars Rogue One continues to to hold it down at the box office, earning an additional 5.1 million dollars. Now currently sitting at 520 million dollars. Followed by Monster Trucks in the number nine slot and Gold in the number ten slot. Now it's going to be an interesting February. They got some good shit coming out. We got John Wick Chapter Two. Uh, If you're into Fifty Shades of Grey, you got Fifty Shades Darker. Uh, The Lego Batman movie, which looks pretty awesome. So February is going to be really good. And of course, we got Wolverine, um, you know, Logan right around the corner, which everybody's excited about. So, you know, for me personally, definitely going to try and see uh, John Wick chapter two because that that looks fucking amazing. And um, also, I want to see The Great Wall with Matt Damon. That looks like a movie that's really tailor made to be seen in IMAX. I'm really appreciating that. And um, I think those are the two that are really, really jumping out for me. And then, of course, going into March, like I said, we got Logan and I may check out the um, A Cure for Wellness, which is by Gore Verbinski. Uh, Dane DeHaan is in that and um, Jason Isaacs, who is always solid. So I've been hearing some good things. The trailers for that movie have been a little creepy. So maybe I'll check that out as well. But again, right now on my radar, John Wick Chapter 2. And uh definitely the Great Wall and of course Logan are tops on the list. And if we do get to check those out, keep it locked to regeworks.net. We got a brand new update in the Star Wars side of things as the new Han Solo film is currently in production. Uh Chris Miller uh posted on Twitter that the film has started uh, you know, filming, principal photography, et cetera, is in full effect. Um it really excited. I'm curious to see how they do this. The film is scheduled to hit theaters May 25th, 2018. So, really excited for that. We're going to see if, um, you know, uh, Han Solo's earlier adventures can capture audiences the same way that Star Wars Rogue One did. So, uh, definitely keep it locked here for more info about that. And also, mark it down on your calendars May 25th, 2018 for this brand new film. There was some bad news on the D.C. side of things as Ben Affleck has decided to step down from his position of as director for the first Batman solo film from the D.C. universe. Uh, Ben Affleck confirmed the the decision to set to step down in a statement to, um, you know, to, to variety. And it was funny because he said that Batman will require a more dedicated director and he needs to focus on his work in front of the camera for the role. He will remain a producer and, of course, the star. Now, it's interesting because, you know, Ben Affleck has been really, really vocal about directing Batman. And, uh, you know, he got a little testy with the last film that he did and everybody's asking him about Batman. And I kind of feel that in a way, he he did this for his own sanity. I know a lot of people were bummed out about it. I think Ben Affleck is an incredibly talented actor, uh, director, and I feel that it's just too much stress for a character of this magnitude for him to not only have to juggle what's behind the camera, but also in front. Now, a lot of people are saying that they're looking at, uh, you know, directors like Matt Reeves and um, you know, he, he's a guy that's on everyone's radar. People of course automatically start talking about Christopher Nolan. And it's just like, listen, you know, leave Chris Nolan, leave him alone. You know, it's let, you know, that ship has sailed. Uh, You know, of course he's committed to, to playing Batman on screen but people are curious about that as well. It almost feels like Ben Affleck's passion for the character has died down. And that's what I've heard from a lot of people. I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach. Um, you know, in terms of, like I said, the shortlist, they're they looking at a at Matt Reeves, who did War for Planet of the Apes, as a potential director. And, you know, it's it's bu- it, uh, I think part of it also is the fact that, you know, Ben Affleck directed Live by Night, which really didn't do very well at the box office. And while a lot of people, including myself, feel that it's not that's not related, um, you know, it's one of those things where he he didn't have a good, successful uh, director debut. So for you to entrust something like Batman to him without a proven track record is a recipe for disaster. We'll see what happens, though. I think, you know, I think maybe another director can go in there and give us a brand new vision and allow Ben Affleck to focus on what's most important, like he said, and that's what goes on in front of the camera. Of course, if we hear any other rumors about directors, we will share that with you guys. Meanwhile, on the Marvel side of things, we got to hear that they are not only uh, working on the Runaways TV series, which actually has already been cast, that series will be debuting on Hulu, but they've also cast the uh, leads for the Cloak & Dagger TV series, which will be airing on Freeform. Um, Olivia Holt and Aubrey Joseph, who was in the night of Olivia Holt worked on Ultimate Spider-Man, will play Cloak and Dagger. And, um, you know, like I said, the series is going to air on Freeform. And I'm really excited. I think Cloak and Dagger has the potential to be just a tremendous show. There's a lot going on with that dynamic. And above all, you know, it's just more great New York heroes that will allow other characters to pop in and mix it up with those characters i think that's pretty dope and on the like i said before the runaways is going to be on hulu and that's actually based on uh on a book of the same title it's going to have the creators of gossip girl josh schwartz stephanie savage involved and basically what happens is the the runaways book basically follows six six teenagers who um who basically just don't like each other but who actually have to come together to stop you know a brand new set a brand new foe which just so happens to be their parents uh, it's a wild book and i think it's a show that if done right can capture not only a lot of that teen angst but also give us a, a our fill of superheroes and supervillains on hulu so if you're a hulu subscriber be on the lookout for that runaways uh freeform is available on most cable providers for cloak and dagger so keep an eye out for that in some DC casting news it looks like Aquaman has his has found a Black Manta to to fight uh yeah, I am probably going to mess up this guy's name Yaya Abdul-Mateen from The Get Down has been cast for Black Manta. He's going to be joining Jason Momoa of course who's going to be playing Aquaman and Patrick Wilson who will be playing Ocean Master. Now Aquaman has been a thorn and I, I mean uh Black Manta has been a thorn in Aquaman's sides uh, and for years, in in many different incarnations, and um, it was it was crazy, you know. They've done so much with the character; they've made him just really, really super evil. And um, I'm curious to see what what incarnation of the character we get on the big screen. Uh, Aquaman doesn't hit theaters till October 5th, 2018. In addition to that, to that casting, they also have rumors that Nicole Kidman is going to be involved. She's going to be playing the mother of Aquaman in the film. So. Uh, definitely very interesting, uh, very interesting acting choice, but Nicole Kidman is, you know, not a slouch by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Like I said, Aquaman drops 2018. We still got, you know, a whole, a whole other year to go. And, you know, obviously new developments, we will keep you guys posted. Now, a couple of weeks back, we were talking about that Scarface reboot and the fact that it not only lost the director. But everybody essentially thought that the project was dead in the water. Um, sadly, uh, even though Antoine Fuqua is no longer involved, Scarface did find a lead, and that is Diego Luna from Rogue One. He will be involved, and it will—he uh, will be playing the title character. Um, of course, in this case, instead of a Cuban uh, Cuban immigrant, it's going to focus on a Mexican immigrant and they're going to go with that. Fuqua, you know, still wants to work on the movie, but he just doesn't want to direct. So he ended up shifting focus and doing a sequel for The Equalizer instead. So that's the result of him leaving uh, the Scarface project. But right now it looks like Diego Luna will be Scarface on the big screen. We'll see what happens. Uh, Nothing with regards to release date, etc. But that Scarface reboot that we thought was gone is back in play. Now, you know, it's weird because it feels like every week we we all it, it's become commonplace that we're going to have some what-the-fuck movie news, some WTFs, and uh, we got one for you this week, folks, and that is a fifth Sharknado. Sci-Fi and The Asylum have announced that Sharknado 5 is in the works with Ian Ziering and Tara Reid, of course, back in the film, and basically it's going to uh, follow the aftermath of the last film with you know, North America in ruins, and now the rest of the world will have to deal with a global Shark NATO, which is just completely insane, um, you know, these films aren't films that are you're going to take seriously, on the contrary, they're just, you know, fun, brainless shit that you could just watch and, and get a couple of laughs, I think I've seen only the first and the second, just because by the second one, I'm like, all right, we get it, but um, yeah, Sharknado 5 is happening, so there you go. You got your your fill of WTF news for this week. Uh, with regards to some TV reboots on the CW that we talked about, the CW's Lost Boys and Charmed reboots, uh, they are going to be pushed, according to The Hollywood Reporter, um, into the 2018-2019 season. A lot of us were expecting it to be uh, coming in on the tail end of 2017 into 2018, but unfortunately, that is not going to be the case. Uh, the other thing I did want to mention you know, we got with, with, with DC uh, oddly enough on the small screen is that a couple of months back, I had heard that they were going to do a black lightning TV series and it was scheduled to air on Fox. But right now Fox has a pretty full plate with Gotham Lucifer. And then they got that upcoming X-Men series with Matt Nix. So as it turns out, it looks like black lightning may be heading to CW and joining that stable of shows. As many of you know, the CW currently has, Flash, DC Legends of Tomorrow, and Arrow, and Supergirl already on the network, and it looks like Black Lightning will be joining them. Obviously, once I hear more with regards to that, I'll share it with you guys. It's good to see that the CW is, you know, welcoming so many of these shows and just creating such a really, really tight universe for for DC's characters. Um, I did not check out NBC's Powerless, which is also takes place in the dc universe i've heard mixed reviews most of them most of the mixed stuff i've been hearing is just it just doesn't work that's pretty much it like if it was just a comedy show for the sake of being a comedy show but a comedy show wrapped in you know comic book stuff that just isn't really that good is something that's been you know rubbing a lot of people the wrong way i haven't checked it out i have it on my dvr and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna check out the first maybe the second episode and form my own opinion but right now Things don't look too good. Most most comic people think it's kind of kind of bullshit, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, you know we talked about some DC casting news. On the Marvel side, it looks like the rumor of Pierce Brosnan playing Cable is continuing to pick up steam, which is crazy. Um, during a uh, an episode of Meet the Movie Press, Forbes Simon Thompson chatted with uh, David Leach, who was at the world premiere of John Wick Chapter Two, and um, you know he's going to be directing Deadpool 2, he said, um, he was said, they said to him, oh, congratulations on casting Pierce Brosnan, to which, uh, you know, Simon Thompson responded, we have not yet, so, um, you know, very interesting, you know, not so much that we have not, but that we have not yet, uh, it's interesting to see what they're going to do, I mean, Pierce Brosnan, definitely, you know, an older guy, uh, curious to see what he can do with the character of Cable, I mean, Cable is an old dude in the books, but um, Pierce Brosnan definitely not my choice. But it's funny also because Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman had posted some photos with Pierce Brosnan, and um, you know it's uh, it's interesting. That's for sure. You know everybody everybody's looking at at all these white haired older guys as potential cable targets. And at the end of the day, you know it could be it could be anybody. You know from Liam Neeson to Stephen Lang to you know, Pierce Brosnan. So I, you know, one thing I like when these rumors come around is that, uh, the artist boss logic, whose work you can see on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, he always does some really great mock-ups. And I believe he did a mock-up of Pierce Brosnan as, uh, as cable. And I got to admit, it doesn't look too bad, but I'm not going to fuel this rumor too much because it's something that's been floating around quite a bit. You know, Pierce Brosnan, Steven Lang, Dolph Lundgren, uh, you know, I'll be honest. I got a question. Who would you guys like to see play cable? Uh, let us know. I think I'm going to also post it in the, uh, our Facebook group, which if you want to join the group, you can see the link for that in the show notes for this week's episode. But I'm curious to see what you guys say, because me personally, I think Stephen Lang definitely has the look and the tools to bring cable to life on the big screen. But unfortunately I'm not the one in charge of casting or directing the film. So My opinion doesn't mean shit, but we'll see what happens. And uh, depending on what you guys share, I will share it on next week's episode. Last bit of TV news to wrap things up. It looks like we are going to be seeing the return of SWAT. If you guys remember SWAT was a TV series that aired in the later part of the seventies that was then brought to the big screen in 2003, which was uh, a pretty solid movie, which I enjoyed. It had a Colin Farrell, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, you know, just a really, really good cast. And it looks like the brand new show that they want to do is going to follow and be inspired by the 2003 film instead of the 1975 TV series. But they got a decent amount of people involved. Uh, Neil Moritz, who did Preacher, Justin Lin, um, the creator of The Shield, Sean Ryan. So it looks promising. I'm curious to see what what CBS does with that. I mean, they, they've done such a solid job with Hawaii Five-0, which I thought I wouldn't like. I remember watching reruns of Hawaii 5 when I was a kid. So to see them doing that now is, you know, it's pretty badass. But it's definitely not definitely not going to be the case this time around, that's for sure. So we'll see what happens, when it airs, when we can see a pilot, etc. I did check out the Training Day pilot. Oh, man, just, it was tough, man. It definitely was tough. If you guys checked it out, I'd love to hear what you guys thought about it. Because I, you know, like I said, and I've mentioned on previous shows, I like what they're doing with the Lethal Weapon uh, TV series, but not every not every film is going to translate and be that successful. Lethal Weapon just, you know, it happened by coincidence, that's for sure. Anyway, that bit of TV news is going to wrap up the entertainment segment for this week, and it's going to wrap up the show as well. So, with that, I've given you guys my take on gaming and entertainment. I'd always, as always, would love to hear yours. Feel free to hit us up on social media. Links for that are in the notes for this episode. Plus, uh, if there's one thing I do want to, you know, tell you guys, a call to action. Definitely hit us up on Facebook. Uh, join the Facebook fan page if you haven't already, and stay up to date with all the latest, uh, you know, articles, videos, etc. That we post on the fan page. And if you haven't, definitely check us out on YouTube. We're doing more product reviews, action figure reviews, etc. Just trying to grow the channel there. Every subscriber helps get us in front of more people. So. We would really, really appreciate it. And last but not least, My Take Radio, along with all the shows from the Rageworks Network, are on iTunes. If you really enjoy what we do, whether it's me, Jay Santee, um, you know, Josie's boy, take a moment and rate it on iTunes. We'd love to hear that. We'd love to hear the feedback. And who knows, maybe we'll read your feedback on air and send you a badass prize. But nonetheless, every bit of support helps. And once again, I want to thank you guys for taking time to check out the gaming and entertainment edition of my take radio, keep it locked here for gaming, uh, entertainment. And of course, MMA and wrestling from your friends at MTR. Peace.